from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, the finish line is within view. It's it's so close you can taste it, you can smell it. Well, if you could get rid of the smell of what's been going on for the last 18 months. Hey, how about a shorter presidential campaign season? What a nutty idea that would be, huh? Starting about June of this year? Go through November? I know, a little longer than Britain or Australia, but we're we're a big country and we're exceptional. But still, not 18 months. That's elephant gestation time, ladies and gentlemen. Well, on the other hand, maybe that is appropriate. Anyway, as I say, we're nearing the nearing the beginning of the end of what is, I think, except among the most extreme partisans in the United States, widely regarded, universally regarded as the most, oh, let's just choose one word, repugnant presidential campaigns in living memory between two of the most unpopular major party candidates ever to vie for the highest office in the most powerful country. Come on, China. Take take over quick. Most powerful country in the world. So, uh, and, and, and a campaign whose central question, whose central um, mode of contention has been not him, not her, not really intended to be edifying. So, of course, it wouldn't be. In honor of all that, and because after Tuesday, nobody will ever, ever, ever want to hear anything that remotely reminds them of this endless period of time. Today's program takes a look back at some of what happened during the last 18 months. Hello, welcome to the show.
I guess just about since uh, since Twitter was uh, profitable. Oh, and that that never happened. From the edge of America, from the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. First of all, some new stuff about our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia, which uh, is set to behead a disabled man for taking part in anti-government protests. And about time, don't you think? A specialized criminal court in Riyadh, the capital, sentenced Munir al-Adam to death for attacks on police and other offenses they took. They said took place during protests in the Shia-dominated East in late 2011. Saudi Arabia is a Sunni monarchy put in place by our friends the British. The 23-year-old, Mr. Munir al-Adam, is partially blind, was already partially deaf at the time of arrest. He alleges he's now completely deaf in one ear as a result of being severely beaten by police. They could complete the job before he's executed, don't you think? That would be fair. His family issued a statement rejecting the verdict, claiming he was tortured into confessing, according to the Times of, I guess, London. He was a steel cable worker. He admitted, uh, said he'd only signed a document admitting the offenses after being repeatedly beaten. He said he'd been accused of sending texts at a time when he was too poor to own a cell phone. Saudi Arabia, as you know, is one of the world's most prolific executioners. Research last year by the human rights organization Reprieve found that of those that identified as facing execution in Saudi Arabia, some 72% were sentenced to death for nonviolent alleged crimes. Torture and forced confessions were common. Hey, if they're not going to talk, Munir Adams' appalling case illustrates how the Saudi authorities are all too happy to subject the most vulnerable people to the swordsman's blade, said a spokesperson for Reprieve. The traditionally close relationship between Saudi Arabia, Britain, and the United States has become strained in the past years. People in the West have protested against the use of the death penalty, including against minors, not coal, not the war on coal. Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, and Iran are responsible for 90% of all executions globally. And two of the three of them are our friends said a spokesperson for Amnesty. In Saudi Arabia, where people are routinely sentenced to death after grossly unfair trials, we've seen a dramatic surge in the number of executions in the past two years. Hey, the surge works. Adam was reportedly detained four years ago for taking part in protests when he was 18 years old. The region in which he lived was majority Shia, where there are regular protests in the area against the Sunni Saudi government. His family said he was a kind, simple young man who loves fishing. said he was involved in an accident when he was six in which his skull was fractured, leaving his sight and hearing impaired. His doctor told him trauma could worsen the injuries. Police allegedly ignored medical evidence and beat him anyway. He's currently appealing his sentence. The concerns for Adam's fate arose in public at least shortly after, as we noted to you last week, Saudi Arabia was re-elected to the UN Human Rights Council. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. What do you say? Let's send them more weapons? I, I'll, I'll chip in. Who else? Who, who, who's in? Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to 
this year, this 18 months we've been through, and how it started way back when. Clinton something, the candidacy years. Hello. Hi. I'm logged in. Where are they? They should be on. I know they should be on, and I should be president, but they're not. I know they got the email. Well, hey, hey. Sorry, we're here. Squinting apologies. We're just stuck. Traffic? I know what you... No, overtime ping pong game. Really vicious. He cheats. I win. But hey, we're not here to talk about that. No kidding. <laughs> so... I'm Hillary, and you two are with... I, I, I gave you the briefing. I just want to hear them tell it. Cool. I'm Sky. I'm Ariel. So, no earth signs? Huh? Go ahead. I was channeling my inner flower child. So, our company is called 404, and we do corporate rebranding for millennials and those Gen Y people who aspire to be millennials. We're here in Austin. And... Uh, sorry, just going back for a second... Mm -hmm. What's the significance of the name? Well, I think my mom was looking at the sky when she had me. and The company name. It's a code for an internet error. Yeah, when you go to a page that doesn't exist, you get a 404 message. And some of them are pretty boring. And some are, like, super creative. Almost better than if there, if there had been a page there. Mm -hmm. so, so, you're named after a mistake? Uh, an error. You know, but wasn't it Einstein who said, without failure? I think it was Woody Allen. Okay, kids. New Hampshire's waiting. What do you got? Uh, so what we do is data-driven. People sometimes think we just sit around and make up stuff. But we can't do that without having data first. Good. I like data. My team knows that. No kidding. So we asked a lot of millennials if Hillary Clinton was a car. What kind of car would she be? A Toyota, a Buick, a Tesla. We also asked them what kind of perfume you'd be and what kind of wine you'd be. Well, yeah, we had a whole series of those. Great. We're paying how much for this? Oh, the questions are free. Mm. It's uh, what we do with the answers that you get invoiced on. Yeah, so here's the takeaway. You're a strong legacy brand, you're a Lexus, you're a Chanel, and you're an Oki Shard. Millennials see those as aspirational, mm -hmm. but maybe unapproachable. Mm -hmm. All right, then. And, and now your answers, because I've got a lunch with some pre-selected random voters and half an... Ready for Hillary. I, I'm sorry. That's been the slogan of our unsolicited supporters since 2013. Yeah, we so. know, we know. We, we want to turn it around. Mm -hmm. Hillary is ready for you. Ready for you means approachable. Ready for you to tell her what you want her to think you want to hear. Ready for your energy. Mm -hmm. Ready mm -hmm. for your vote. Mm -hmm. Ready for whatever. You know, you know when you, uh, like when you're on the basketball court and the, the other team says, are you ready? No. Well, okay. But see, ready can serve as even more of an umbrella brand. Hillary isn't just ready for you. Mm -hmm. She's ready for the debates. Mm -hmm. She's ready for Putin. Mm -hmm. She's uh, ready for the world. It's like you took the 3 a.m. phone call concept from your last campaign mm -hmm. and internalized it to mm -hmm. Hillary. It's always 3 a.m. and she's always... Ready? Said. But that's not all. Mm -mm. Hey, hon. We got your name off the foundation. You just got it. 
Oh, sorry. You Skype in? This is the 404 crew. Yo. We're just hey. brain drizzling. Brain drizzling. Well, waiting for it to become a storm right now. It's just a drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> 404, huh? Atlanta peeps. You uh, ludicrous homies. Not the area code. Hmm? The error message. Oh. It- uh-huh. Well, look, just uh, initial these and uh, I'll get out of your hair. Which looks nice, by the way. Thank you. This was supposed to have been done before you uh, announced, but we couldn't uh, couldn't do a board meeting. Why not? Chelsea was in the Bahamas. Okay. Go ahead, kids. I can listen while I recuse myself from my foundation. Okay, sure. Hi, Mr. President. Oh, don't mind me. Okay, sure. So, in addition to your brand word, you need a brand color. You think of Coke? You think of red? Which is to keep you from thinking of the actual color of the beverage, which is brown. Right. So, yes, you've got red in your H, mm-hmm. you've got blue in your H, mm-hmm. but we're thinking this. There you go. Thanks, hon. Kids, uh, what is that? It's purple on this screen. I can't you quite... You want to bring the red states and the blue states together. Mm-hmm. You want a purple country. You're ready for purple. Excuse me, you're paying for this? Well, we did, like, endless research. Purple has never been a campaign color, at least according to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think of it as a feminine color? I know well, I... I it, it is the color of royalty, to us. All I know is it is the color of Crown Royal, which is a very aspirational drink for millennials. I don't know if your screen shows us this, but in no way is it a lavender. It's, it's a really ballsy purple. It's a purple that says ready. Mm-hmm. Purple talks. Oh, it's so like does, right? Uh-huh. You're going to be deep purple? <laughs> this I got to see. Okay, kids, this is great. Obviously, this video is being sent to all of my team. Absolutely. We're getting a Dropbox before the end of the week, and it'll be there. Uh, uh, one more thing, though, right? Okay, but... Just mega key to your brand is your song. He's got you there. Would you? We found out that when you and your husband ran, the song was... Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. No, that Wikipedia is good. No, that was Shazam. Anyway, we still think the the tomorrow meme is, like, great, Mm -hmm. but it has to be refreshed for, like, today. Yeah, I mean, those people singing were great and all, but... The beat was kind of kind of old school. So we've, we've reached out to Jay-Z's people. He is so interested in doing the campaign song. He's already got the title, Tomorrow is My Bitch. He's going to sing it or rap it or what? No, no, but not him personally. It'll probably be uh, one of his protégés, Ray-Z. We just got a little speed bump or two before we can... Well, you mean the word bitch? Oh, no, he's mega cool with that. His <laughs> people are just insisting on a photograph of you with a bottle of his super premium vodka. And we're not totally sure that that works with the whole middle class campaign meme. Mm-hmm. Good point. Okay, well, let's keep the conversation going. But without me for the moment. Thanks, Sky. Thanks, Ariel. Bye. You're still here? Mm Mm-hmm. Just wanted to pass on a message from our friends in Riyadh. Uh Uh-huh. The Foundation's loss is the Super PAC's gain. (laughs) See you in the purple rain, huh? Middle-aged angst and golden age yearning to serve. Together they add up to Clinton something, the candidacy years. And now, whoa, news of the godly. There's a sudden increase in the number of people interested in 
the concept of Satanism and the knowledge of the hidden. There's also been a dramatic rise in the demand for real-life vanquishers of evil spirits, commonly referred to as exorcists, at least according to a Brownsburg, Indiana priest. Father Lampert, a Roman Catholic priest who's been appointed to serve as an exorcist at a parish by bishops, says the number of people who wanted to undergo exorcisms in his area has hit an all-time high. An exorcism is at its very core is a prayer, he says. And there does seem to be correlation with people who believe they're experiencing evil in their life at the same time where faith in God is less relevant, says Father Lampert. He says he's received almost 20 requests for an exorcism every week, of only which, of which only 10% of the people need to undergo the process. He says by the time that uh, most people call me, they've already diagnosed themselves. That always works. There were only 12 bishop-appointed exorcist priests in the United States at one point in time. The country now has over 50. That uh, estimate of one point in time comes from the International Business Times. Not too exact, not, not too demanding on exactitude in their chronology. Uh, this spike in the number of exorcist priests stems from the sharp, sharp spike in the demand for exorcists. Pope Francis has routinely mentioned the subject, which was once a taboo, regularly adding it's the church's duty to guard against the work of the devil. Quote, This generation and many others have been led to believe that the devil is a myth, a figure, an idea, the idea of evil, the Pope said in a mass a couple of years ago. But the devil exists, he adds, and we must fight against him. Almost every free night I have is taken up with exorcism, says the Reverend Gar Thomas, the official exorcist in San Jose, California, right near Silicon Valley. I wonder what... Oh. After uh, an exorcism here in Indiana on the way home, says Father Lampert, I stopped at a, uh, you asked how do I unwind, I stopped at a Dairy Queen and had a chocolate shake on the way home. And that's not the work of the devil. That's the work of Dairy Queen. An Italian priest has angered the Vatican after claiming the earthquakes that have shaken Italy, killing hundreds and leaving thousands homeless, were, quote, divine punishment, unquote, for gay civil unions. Almost as if Pat Robertson is switched denominations. Father Giovanni Cavalcoli, a theologian known for his hardline views, made the comments the day after central Italy was struck by a 6.6 magnitude quake. He says the seismic shocks, talking to a radio station, were divine punishment for the offense to the family and the dignity of marriage, in particular through civil unions. Unquote. Italy is one of the last Western European countries to legally recognize same-sex relationships. The radio station distanced itself from his views. The Vatican has issued a stinging rebuke, saying the idea of a vengeful God was a pagan vision. Don't tell Pat Robertson. The number two in the Vatican's powerful Secretariat of State said Cavalcoli's comments were offensive to believers and disgraceful for non-believers. He asked for forgiveness for quake victims, and reminded them they had the solidarity and support of Pope Francis. But Cavalcoli refused to back down, talking to another radio station. Maybe he shouldn't talk to radio stations. I blame radio stations. He said the earthquakes were caused by the sins of man and telling the Vatican to, quote, read their catechism. Last month, a priest was suspended from his parish in Trento after apparently defending pedophilia during a live TV interview, arguing, quote, children often seek affection. 
Father Jean, Gino Flaim claimed he understands pedophilia, but added, quote, I'm not sure about homosexuality. When asked to explain his comments, he told the TV channel, pedophilia is a sin, and like all sins has to be accepted, he went on to describe homosexuality as the disease. He was suspended, saying his words do not re- represent the positions of the archdiocese. In 2012, another Italian priest sparked outrage by delivering a Christmas message that claimed women were to blame for men's violence towards them because they wore, quote, filthy clothes and served, quote, cold suppers. That's Father Piero Corsi in Italy. And closer to home, maybe too close to home, between requests for prayers for the sick and a notice for an upcoming chastity luncheon, sign me up. A newsletter from a Catholic church in Old Town, San Diego, that doubles as an election day polling site, included a flyer that told parishioners that if they vote for Democrats, they'll go to hell. Two Sundays later, the message had changed. Satan was working through Hillary Clinton. The bulletin from the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church was stuffed with a flyer written in both English and Spanish. Hey, how diverse can you get? That cited five legislative policies that will doom a politician and their supporters to eternal damnation. Policies did not include ending war or continuing war. The political messages continued as early voting began and the election grew closer with the uh, church bulletin claiming Clinton is influenced by Satan on the end of October. The uh, Roman Catholic Diocese of San Diego says the messages in the flyer and bulletin don't reflect Catholic teaching or diocese policies are inappropriate and the voters should use their conscience to, to de- determine which candidates to support. That's a novel approach. They must not be reading the polls. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast back to uh, this election campaign as if we've ever left it. And harking back to Near the beginning of the Trump campaign, one of the first controversies to arise when he attacked one of the questioners at an early debate, Fox News host Megyn Kelly. Hello, Megyn? It's Donald. You know, the one with the world-famous schlong. You heard about it on your debate. Listen, speaking of the debate... I meant what I said. You look great. The short hair, which I usually don't like because of the whole lesbian thing. You pull it off beautifully. I mean, incredibly. It is absolutely a terrific look for you. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I am saying that. But the reason I'm calling is, look, you're a smart cookie. You know, the whole thing with you last summer was because I was and I still am very, very attracted to you because maybe it's the lawyer thing, maybe now it's the lesbian thing. I'm kidding. I know you're straight. I have people who are very, very good at finding that kind of stuff out. The best in the world. The CIA uses them. But look, when I, I'm calling from the plane. Listen how quiet it is. Listen, when I said you had fire coming out of wherever, you, you're smart enough to know that what I really meant, which is that you had the fire coming out of my wherever. Look, I don't know how much time I have on this voicemail, Megan. Let me cut a check to the chase. 
give me a call. I know you're busy being beautiful on TV. I'm incredibly busy, too, although most nights I do get to sleep in my old bed, which is so important. I mean, that Holiday Inn in Iowa was a disaster, but I can't say that. But look, I'm doing a rally tomorrow in New Orleans. Why don't you come down and meet me down there? A friend of mine runs the greatest steakhouse in the world. Very private. Nobody goes there, but it is tremendous food and a great place to get to know each other a little bit better. And then, who knows? I don't have a hotel down there. I was going to build something there, but somebody was, but put my name on it. But the politicians there are so corrupt. They, this guy I gave a huge amount of money to wouldn't even return my call. I mean a huge amount. Anyway, there's a beautiful place across the lake. A fight promoter who is a terrific friend of mine owns it. Absolutely luxurious, very discreet. And who knows? You just might have the best experience of your life down there. I mean down there in Louisiana. But listen, I do have sizable hands. You've seen that with your own beautiful eyes. It's a shame, by the way, that I'm not in the pageant business anymore because I'm being very serious now because you are a stunner. So don't be stupid. We have stuff on your husband that could destroy him. So give me a call. I, you got this number on your voicemail now. Nobody answers this number except me and my campaign manager, Corey, who he, he, nobody can keep a secret better than him, much better than those idiots down at the CIA. They are decimated us, which, by the way, I'd love to decimate you. So call me. Don't be a schmuck. Erase this as soon as I hang up, especially the part about the Holiday Inn. I may need them again if this thing keeps going the way it is now. I mean, can you believe these crowds? Everybody in Louisiana loves me, and I think they are the most incredible. Anyway, call me. Seriously, I hate to be frustrated. Take very good care. And now the apologies of the week. The Times of London note by Rupert Murdoch has printed a full apology to five scientists for three articles. That would be less than one article per scientist that wrongly suggested tobacco companies funded their research into e-cigarettes. The newspaper had already apologized to one scientist named the reports. Four others, including the former government advisor David Nutt, Last week said they would do an apology. They uh, said at the time they would sue the newspaper. They've not yet decided whether to abandon the lawsuit following the apology. Nutt welcomed the apology but criticized the commercial interests and ideologues he said were behind the article. The Times is owned by Rupert Murdoch. No known connection. Quote, we are pleased that the Times has capitulated on this matter, but would have been happier if it had not indulged in this reckless reporting, which smeared the reputations of leading anti-tobacco academics, he said. The battle to reduce the harm from tobacco is gradually being won, but it's being fought against commercial interests and ideologues, like those who are behind these articles. The original stories in a leading article, that is to say an editorial, were published on October 12th, Apparently this year, with the headlines, Tobacco Giants Fund Vaping Studies and Scientists Wooed in Charm Offensive. The online articles have since been removed and replaced with the apology, which says the five were internationally respected for their long-standing global work to reduce smoking and their work on the issue of nicotine harm reduction. We apologize for our errors and omissions and for the embarrassment caused, unquote. Rupert Murdoch's Times of, Sunday Times of London. The European Union's Digital Economy Commissioner, Günther Oettinger, has formally apologized for making derogatory remarks about Chinese officials. Quote, I would like to apologize for any remark that was not as respectful as it should have been, he said. In a speech to German business leaders, he had spoken of Chinese officials having, quote, hair combed with black shoe polish and calling them, quote, slitty-eyed. 
Unquote. China said Mr. Ottinger had revealed a baffling sense of superiority. Tearful South Korean President Park Geun-hye has made a, an apology for her role in a heartbreaking political scandal. That's her word. That has engulfed her administration but failed to mollify opposition parties. In a televised address, Park said she would cooperate with prosecutors in an investigation into allegations that she allowed Choi Soon-seal, a friend of 40 years, to influence government policies on everything from the economy to North Korea. The scandal has rocked North Korean society, sent her approval rating to just 5%, the lowest for any leader in the country's 68-year history. In a brief televised address to journalists, Park said prosecutors should clarify what happened and that everyone involved, including herself, should be held accountable and take responsibility if found guilty. It's not clear what action could be taken against Park. South Korea's constitution does not allow a sitting president to be prosecuted. Who taught them that? Fox News chief political anchor Brett Baer has apologized for suggesting in a report this week that indictments were likely in an investigation of the Clinton Foundation using wording that Bayer later described as inartful. He explained he was talking about whether investigations would continue after the election. Quote, I answered that yes, our sources in- said it would. They would continue to likely an indictment. That just wasn't inartful. It was a mistake, and for that I'm sorry. It's obviously a prosecutor who has to agree to take the case and make the case to the grand jury. Bayer, that's unquote, Bayer told John Scott, another anchor on Fox, he stands by the sourcing of his story. NBC News aired a story that questioned the Fox News report in the Clinton campaign, called the reporting baseless. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And speaking of the Clintons... And then, what did he say? We've been over this, Huma, and I'm tired. Just so I can make sure all of Hillary Land is on the same page. Okay, well, he said... Those are all the questions I have for you, Madam Secretary. And you said? I said, Mr. Director, it hasn't been a a pleasure, (laughs) but I'm certainly glad it's over, and we laughed, and I left. You laughed? I left. But before you left, you laughed? I'm just getting it straight. We both laughed. Mm -hmm. I left. Mm -hmm. He stayed. Well, hey, hon! How'd it go? I think I've got what I need. Bye, Mr. President. I was good. Well, Huma sure seemed glad to see me. Just doing a deep debrief. Mm-hmm. Think I can get a shallow one? <laughs> well, first of all, I need to find out what airport you're going to be at and whose plane happens to be parked next to yours. <laughs> you know, this is so stupid. I've known Loretta Lynch since I appointed her to the bench. We both got an hour to kill. 
It's hotter than Texas chili out there. We just share some shade and some AC. Uh-huh. What a huh? What part of this is so stupid don't you understand? I guess the part where I had to learn about it from the news. You remember the news. You used to be on it. It just seemed like such a little thing. I mean, babe, I schmooze with more important people than the Attorney General of the United States most days of every week. You want to be fielding all of my... Hey, Hill, I just spent 15 minutes talking about grandchildren with the foreign minister of Tajikistan calls. <laughs> you knew I was meeting with the FBI director end of this week, right? It, it was on one of my calendars, but my computer's on eight kinds of fritz. So. You knew Loretta Lynch was the cabinet officer in charge of the agency that's not investigating me? That I did. Yeah. But I did not have legal relations with that woman. <laughs> oh, come on, hon. That's an inside joke. Not to me, it's not. Look, why do you think I gave you a wide berth this week until after you met with FBI Director Comey? Just wanted you to be clear of any possible taint of me after all this blew up. See? Thinking about you. Look, I know you probably were just trying to put the teensiest little friendly pinky on the scale on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And in other circumstances, I might actually appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And or you. But let's face it, hon. This has united the whole country left and right in revulsion and disbelief. I'm a uniter. <laughs> and I'm a divider. I'm dividing you from any appearances on my behalf until the convention. Mm -hmm. For lucky... And if Donald Trump stays healthy, people have plenty of reason to have forgotten all about all this by then. Until that time, mm -hmm. do me a favor. Go attend a gala in Malta. See if Tony Blair's busy this week. Mm, he's acting kind of needy these days. Not a fun plane ride. Look, Toots, what have I told you that Loretta said that the chances of charges being brought against you... No, no, are no, no, no. I don't want to hear it. And you shouldn't have been... I, I didn't say I did. I just wanted to know if... Hun, hun, hun. We have plenty of ways of finding out the chances of charges being brought. We don't need to wheel out the 800-pound gorilla. It just attracts unwanted attention. As we've both discovered. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to work on my trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is about as helpful as an endorsement from El Chapo. Okay. Okay, got it. Thank you. I appreciate you getting it. Mm -hmm. Now, did she say definitively there won't be any charges? Even misdemeanors, they're poison too. <laughs> okay, look, two things. All right. First, I really, really didn't discuss any of this with Loretta. Scout's honor. And I, I know I wasn't much of a scout, but you know what I mean. Okay. Second, I didn't discuss it because... Because I care too much about you. I guess I haven't always shown it. But in that airplane, on that tarmac, in that hundred-plus degree heat with a long-time appointee of mine sitting right in front of me, albeit flanked by her security detail, I think I showed it right there. You're caring. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. My pleasure. 
middle-aged angst and middle-aged thirst for power. Together, they add up to Clinton something, the campaign years. This is Le Show from Southern California. It was uh, midsummer when we learned that Donald Trump was not really going to self-fund his entire presidential campaign and that he was, in fact, looking for funding from others. From the Tony Salerno Theater in New York's fabulous Trump Tower, it's the first annual Grand National Trumpathon. All the stars of the Donald J. Trump firmament have been gathered together to bring you the greatest entertainment spectacle since Jay-Z's wedding. All in aid of the world's most historic presidential campaign. With the music of the Eric Trump Orchestra, I'm your co-host, Rush Limbaugh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your host for the next 26 hours, the man who put the M back in campaign, Mr. Donald J. Trump. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So glad to be back in New York City. As a matter of fact, I, I, I just flew in from Scotland. Scotland, you know, as publicity for my incredible golf course there, which you got to visit. 
They had me. Uh, they had me a try on a, a kilt or a set of kilts, however you say it. Really, really, I'd like to see that. <laughs> Believe me, you don't want to. Oh. Even Melania didn't want to see it, and that's her job. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing: my hands sure appreciated the ventilation too. Oh, <laughs> ah, believe oh. me. Yeah, right. But uh, but listen, Rush, mm-hmm. it's so great to have you on board. It's only too bad you can't be here with us in person as we start counting the dollars that we'll put next year's Trumpathon smack dab in the middle of the White House dining room. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Mr. Trump. But uh, if I were to leave the excellence of uh, Palm Beach and be your co-host up there in person in New York City tonight, my tax bill would probably equal what we're going to raise here. And, and, and nobody wants that. <laughs> Rush, I'll see you in person at Mar-a-Lago the next time we open it up to non-family. Speaking of family, please welcome my musical director for this evening, a person I'm proud to call someone my second wife raised. Please welcome my son, the fabulous Eric Trump. (laughs) The gals love him. Right? But, uh... But we've got only 26 hours to fill and a huge amount of money to raise. We're holding this telethon tonight, as you know, to help rid the world of the deadly scourge known as Hillary Clinton. And here to help make those telephones ring and those computers go however they go, here's the great Ann Coulter. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give, 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 give. See, you gotta give, 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 give. If this country's gonna live, 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 live. Gotta fight the witch, 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 witch. Voters have to switch, 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 switch. He's the leader that we need. With him, success is guaranteed. All he's gonna do is win, 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 win. So we gotta give some money to him. I say, give, 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 give. Call a number on your screen. Screen, 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 screen. Give it any way you can. Credit card or green, 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 green. Just give, 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 give. 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 Absolutely incredible, Ann Coulter, building it out of the park. Huh. Well, thanks, Mr. Trump. God bless and you. And she's something. And uh, I, uh, Eric, I just have to say, you had that band sounding just like a karaoke track. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Right? But, uh, you know, and now I'm, I'm uh, reading from Prompter like they told me to, but Gene, you got to keep up with me on the Prompter or I'm going to go rogue. Speaking of which... The great Sarah Palin was going to be with us here tonight, which would have been simply spectacular. But in the last minute, she found out that her daughter is pregnant yet again. So congratulations, Sarah. We'll miss you. She did send an extremely nice message. We're asking everybody watching to give what you can to the wonderful cause so that children can walk again without the crippling curse of liberalism. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Believe me. Thanks, Sarah. That's incredibly nice. And, of course, it's true, too. But we're all nice. Now, speaking of the truth, our next guest is a man who spoke truth to power. The truth of his fists to the power of heavyweight challengers. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, the great Mike Tyson. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Good evening. 
I haven't felt this nervous since I got on my daughter's hoverboard. <laughs> no, seriously, Mr. Trump is such a great man. He greeted me personally when I got into the elevator to come up here. No, it's true. I asked him where my dressing room, and he said, you're in it. <laughs> He's a great businessman. I wear Trump cologne. I eat Trump steaks. But he's a very dedicated man. Out of the goodness of his own big old heart and his love of this great country, he's going to find out what this whole Muslim thing about. And specifically, why they don't want to buy Trump pork chops. <laughs> no, you got to understand, every dollar you give to this telephone goes straight into the heart of the Trump for President campaign. Some of it will go to research to find the causes and the cures for Hillary voters. <laughs> but a lot will go into buying TV ads and helping to get out the vote this November. You know, I'm helping to get out the vote personally. I'm making my daughter go vote on a hoverboard. Thank you. God bless you. God bless Donald J. Trump. And God bless God. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Who gets Mike Tyson? Wow. What an incredible man. And a great, great golfer. You know, he doesn't hit the ball with a, a club or putter like the rest of us. He just punches it down the fairway. <laughs> and next... Ex we excuse me, Mr. Trump. Yeah, what, what is it, Rush? Can't well, you see I'm about to introduce our next I, incredible guest? Well, I understand, sir, but uh, you might want to look at the tote board. Every time that hotline bling, it can only mean one thing. Seven hundred dollars. Wow. Of course, uh, a lot of our great Trump Network stations aren't even on the line yet. They're still stuck with carrying those pathetic, failing evening newscasts. But this is just from the people watching the Internet stream. And we love you. And we think you're the absolute greatest. But, folks, we need so much more money. So keep calling those phones and those computers. And remember, there's no amount too small. If you want to contribute $5, am I going to turn that down? Is that how I got incredibly rich? By turning down free money? Now... What are you telling me, Debbie? My floor manager's waving at me crazier than a Trump University graduate trying to get his diploma. <laughs> we, we got somebody on the Trump line. Hello. Hello, Donald. This is Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This is incredible. This is incredible. Usually I call into your show. <laughs> well, it's the least I could do, and I thought that was appropriate. Well, when I'm on your show, Bill, you always ask me questions. Well, yeah. How about we turn the tables and I ask you a question or two? Sure. I haven't answered a question since my last deposition. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, yeah. how do you think we're doing making progress against the vicious killer that is Hillary Clinton? Uh, Don, or Mr. Trump, I should say, for the sake of journalistic ethics. Well, we all know you're very, very fair, don't we? <laughs> don't we? Huh? Yeah. Getting back to your question, mm -hmm. I know your people are working every day to find the cure for Hillary. But I just have to think maybe more money is going to help speed up that process. Huh. And we know it's not going to come from the big money donors no. who, no. frankly, I think are scared of mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So it's got to come from your viewers who obviously aren't scared of you or they wouldn't be watching. Well, okay. So last question, Bill, because we got to give our Trump network stations a chance sure. for a break. Sure. What do you think our viewers should do? I yeah. mean, really, just, just off the top of your head. Hey, listen, I think there's a number on the screen. There's a web address. Your viewers are smart people. They can figure it out. The great Bill O'Reilly. Thank you. Calling it from where, Bill? Home. I'm home. Great. So am I. Hit it, Eric. Eric, that's a cue. Your turn, Bill. 
if you were a rich man. I really am. But if you really, really, really were, huh? What? You'd self-fund this whole campaign. Yeah. If I were a wealthy man, oi. You wouldn't have to ask, folks. But I'm asking. And I can't ask. No. But you know I sure agree. So please do it, Mr. Trump. You would. If I were a wealthy man. Bill O'Reilly on the phone. Whoa. Whoa. You know, Mr. Trump. Yeah. Hearing Bill O'Reilly sing, where else can you hear that? Yeah, but there's so much more. Hit it, Eric. My life as I live it is hard to impeach. I'm making the pivot. Yeah, I'm reading each speech. If you can give, we can beat old Hillary. I can't believe that you won't believe. There's a lot more Grand National Trumpathon 2016. Next hour, Ted Nugent premieres his new hit song, Shoot First, Ask Questions Never. Remember, if you miss a little, the terrorists win. The fee has been paid for the appearance of Mr. Trump. Now, ladies and gentlemen, fresh is this week. News of the warm, won't you? Award-winning news of the war. Soft, listen to the war. We can listen to the war. Yes, we can. The bulk of methane emissions in the United States can be traced to a small number of super-emitting natural gas wells, according to a new study. The largest 5% of leaks are typically responsible for more than 50% of the total volume of leakage, says the co-author at Stanford's School of Earth Energy and Environmental Sciences. Renewable energy moved past coal last year to become the biggest source of global electricity capacity, according to the International Energy Agency. In a recent report, last year marked a turning point for renewables, the body said, with clean sources of energy representing over 50% of the planet's new power capacity a 15% increase in electricity capacity on the year before. The war on coal continues. 500,000 solar panels were installed every day last year. In China, two wind turbines were installed every hour. In its latest renewables forecast, the IEA said the next five years would see this growth continue with 30,000 solar panels and 2.5 wind turbines installed per hour. Renewals would see their share of electricity generation grow from 23% last year to 28% in 2021. Maybe not fast enough. Sea ice extent in the Arctic is as low as it has ever been measured in late October. Air temperatures are record warm. Sea ice experts say it is difficult to project what the current ice depletion means for the next year, but the unmistakable long-term trend toward less ice is troubling. 
According to the director of the National Snow and Ice Data Center in Boulder, Colorado, the present ice levels reflect a record slow recovery after the summer minimum in September, which tied for the second lowest summer minimum on record. Shortly afterward, it seemed as if the ice was headed for a fast recovery, but then the ice growth abruptly slowed because of unusually warm temperatures in the Arctic. Driving a gas-powered car about 90 miles, basically New York to Philadelphia, melts about a square foot of Arctic sea ice in the critical month of September. That's according to a new study that directly links carbon pollution to the amount of ice that's thawing. At current levels, the Arctic will likely be free of sea ice in September around about mid-21st century, which could make weather even more extreme and strand some polar animals, according to a study published in Science. The study calculates that for every ton of carbon dioxide put in the air, 29 square feet less of sea ice exists during the crucial month when the Arctic region is least, least frozen. There's a very clear linear relationship between carbon dioxide emissions and sea ice retreat in September, according to Dirk Knotts, the author of the study at the Planck Institute. A Rutgers University marine scientist who wasn't part of the study said the link is so clear and direct we know beyond a shadow of the doubt that the Arctic sea ice is disappearing because of increased carbon dioxide. And more than a quarter of marine mammals are at risk in New Zealand. New Zealand has the highest number of threatened seabird species in the world due to a degraded environment, including global warming and polluted coastlines. Seabirds such as the albatross may be wiped out. So... Who are you going to have around your neck then? News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Typical show chapeau to the late Bob Cranshaw, playing bass on this and so many other memorable recordings. That's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, over NPR worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world, through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America, via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet 7.490 megahertz shortwave, on the Mighty 104 in Berlin, on Soho Radio in London, around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it, harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast at WWNO.org, Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, TuneIn.com, and iTunes. And it would be just like the election really, really being over if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you? All righty. Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. How about that nutty electoral college?
My vote doesn't count. Does yours? A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and ex- exile in Hawaii desk. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard on this broadcast or podcast, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Oh, my God, it's Christmas coming, and everybody on your list wants one of those, don't they? All at harryshear.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>